You Disciple Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of university life and unpack what it means to be a disciple on campus. This is the You Disciple Podcast, and I'm Father Nicholas Pierce. And I'm Sister Mary Helen. And today we're joined by our good friends Mahia and Sister Dalma. Sister Dalma, welcome. Thank you. It's your first time on our podcast. Yes. So it's very good to have you. And we're we're back. Um, well, no, it's did we do one last week? I can't remember now. We did. <laughs> we a had a week, week. Of, of thinking about the saints. We did, of mm-hmm. course, this week, the mm-hmm. Great Week of Saints. Great Week, um, St. Catherine of Siena. And today we're going to sort of tackle something that's um, been a little bit on hold for the last couple of years, and that is um, some of the challenges that, um, in particular, our overseas students face. But I think the challenges are pretty universal for university students. But Sister Dalma, you've been working for over 15 years here in Melbourne with international students. So... We're glad to have you with us today. And Mihia, you've got you've got a little bit of experience as well. Yeah, just a tiny bit. Just uh. a tiny bit. <laughs> but Sister Dalma, you're with the Salesian congregation. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Because we did. We spoke, now I remember, we spoke last episode about some of the great saints of the church and the roles of the saints. Who was the founder of the Salesians? Our founder is John Bosco, St. John Bosco. And uh, he is the father and teacher of youth. And from a very young age, because he was sort of not treated well by his parish priest and looked down on, he was determined that he the young people wouldn't experience that, what he experienced. So he that's what made him sort of become a priest, uh, study and, uh, and look after young people, particularly the poor and the marginalised. And uh, so then we have uh, our foundress is Mary Mazzarello and... She wanted to do for girls what Don Bosco was doing for boys. And so they met in uh, Mornese, where Mother Mazzarello was. And uh, they built a house for boys. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. And the girls got got it, which was good for (laughs) the the girls. (laughs) That was really wonderful. Of course, they had to pay for it a lot because, you know, the country didn't want i mean the the little village didn't want the girls to to take over but uh, it happened and and so we work for young people all over the world and uh yeah uh, we were about 11000 sisters all over the world so you know it's it's great because i i have been with the young people now for 15 years particularly in this role but i've done other things too do you ha- do you have a favorite Don Bosco story? I've got I've got one that I I, I tell well mm. two but one in particular. Do you have a favorite? I I like the story where he used to he learned to do acrobats so that he could in uh, attract the the boys to come to his oratory because they were into all sorts of trouble otherwise. So he used to teach them even these skills, and I think. That's a wonderful way of attracting young people to be involved in something other than, you know, the naughty things that they <laughs> did in those days the as well. Uh, well, there you go, Mihia. <laughs> now you know what your your new job title on campus is going to be. You've got to learn how to juggle, okay? I love there's a story about um, Dominic Savio. Oh Dominic yes. Savio comes to Don Bosco and says, um, Don Bosco, like... Um, what would you do if if you knew that the world was coming to an end this afternoon, if you knew that the Lord was coming? Uh, 
in the, in the second coming. And Don Bosco's response was, I would keep playing soccer or football. Yeah. Um, so much was he ready f- to meet the Lord because of his sanctity and his holiness that if the Lord was coming, he could just keep doing what he was doing. And I'm like, yeah, if, if I knew the Lord was coming this afternoon, I'd be, I'd be doing a lot more than just, <laughs> just, just playing football. That's I don't know about the rest of you. He had a real gift, didn't he, for um, helping people to really experience that, the love of God because we experience the love of God through others. And I think that was really his gift. And I think the other beautiful thing, and this is, is sort of um, exhibited by your story, sister, about Don Bosco, is that he cared about the whole person. Yeah. That it wasn't he. He cared about the the boys in particular first, um, and I'm sure it was the same with your foundress. Um, he cared about their their body, their spirit, and their sort of well being, and then he taught them about Jesus. He understood that if if you don't look after the whole person. Uh, you you can't teach someone about Jesus, and that really I think speaks to our our whole conversation about discipleship here in the Archdiocese of Melbourne. That um, when we when we're investing in people and we're we're bringing them into a relationship with the Lord, um, and we're trying to do it in the way that the Lord did it, that that's an investment in the whole person, not just in their spiritual reality, but that we we care about the whole person. You're listening to the You Disciple Podcast, where we put the you in disciple. So as we we're saying, um, overseas students are back, and it's it's great to this year be meeting students who have, have just arrived in Melbourne, but um, it's not, I, well, I obviously grew up here, so it, it's not my experience, but I can imagine that arriving in a, in a, in a foreign country um, for the first time, and then throwing yourself into tertiary education is not the easiest thing. And Sister Delmi, you've been helping students um, out in this regard for a long time. Uh, we were all lucky enough last week to be on the on the COSDU camp, and COSDU is a, a great society based out of the University of Melbourne, but working with students from multiple universities, and they've been running for how many years now, Sister? Well, I think they've had it before I started it. So it's over 50, 15 years. Uh, I know sister, the previous sister, uh, Carol Hogan. She was the founder of COSDU and she also started the tradition of camps. And yeah. I think that works wonderfully well because that's the highlight of their year anyway. And this year, um, we went to Don Bosco uh, at Listerfield and... It was just such a wonderful experience this time. I, I don't know, it's different to the normal sort of camps that we've had. They had uh, two hours of adoration on a Thursday evening and everybody went for confession. And uh, it was after that when we came out and we continued with praise and worship, it was just such a, I don't know what the experience was, I couldn't explain it, but it was such a beautiful Encounter that everybody encountered Jesus. I think there was a sense of joy. There was a spirit of calmness, and and everybody was so happy. It it, it just was different this year compared to the others. And yeah. I don't know about you guys, but of the overseas students that I um I've encountered and worked with over the last couple of years, one of the big things that they speak about is that generally the church in Australia is is a little bit more sort of staid 
than the churches in in their home cultures and that one of the big feelings that they have when they arrive is that they feel a little even disconnected from the church because mm. they're used to a community or they might have been involved in a in a youth group or a parish community that was really vibrant mm. and they turn up to most Australian Melbourne parishes and it's like 45 minute mass and then you're gone mm. like and I remember I was when I was a deacon in Fitzroy um there was this big group of Sudanese families and they said to me, like, Father, what, why is it so, Deacon, why is it so short? Like, they, they were used to going to church and being there all day. Yes. That was mm. a big part of their experience. And yeah. for us Australians, it's like in and out, straight to the car park, <laughs> yeah. get, get on with the rest of life. So I imagine for our overseas students that that's something, part of that sort of culture shock when shock. they arrive. Yeah, because we are, um, our sisters are living on the other side of Melbourne, on the, in the west, and you can see that... Uh, many people who've just recently settled in Australia have moved over that direction and they bring that with them. So mm. I went to a youth group on Wednesday night and it went for three hours. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is amazing. Or mass on the weekend is mass plus morning tea plus whatever else they do. It just goes on. Um, so it was it's, it's richness. It was about 10 years ago, sister. I went to um, a mass in Gold Coast. And I walked in and it was like 30 degrees and it was really hot and I was wearing jeans because, you know, we can't wear shorts in, in our church. And I walked in and we saw people wearing shorts and sandals. And I go, wow, I go, my dad goes, he goes, Maya, because these people are wearing shorts and sandals. I go, I go, dad, I, go, I think that's normal here. Yeah. <laughs> and by the time we know, like 30 minutes in, the mass is finished. And my dad goes, he goes, what happened? I go, the mass, the mass is finished. <laughs> so it was, it was really nice because they were so laid back to like, you know, like, you know, wearing shorts and sandals, like, yeah, that's that's fine. Um, they were just so laid back and, you know, that's come the way they are. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be able to wear shorts in our church. I mean, <laughs> I think we'll be kicked out by t- as soon as we walk in. I saw um, I saw um, one of those memes once about a, a parish bulletin where the priest said, um, due to a, a lack of uh, uptake in the Thanksgiving program, we will not be able to install the swimming pool in the church mm. this year. Oh, no. <laughs> so you don't need to wear your shorts and sandals well, to mass yes. anymore. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> interesting. Um, Mihia, so you came to Australia when you were eight years old. Can you remember what it was like as a, as a, young, as a young boy um, sort of landing <coughs> in a foreign con- country and what that experience was like? Yeah, Father, i, I got a funny story that I want to share. Um, when we first came to Australia, I... We were back in the villages in Iraq, so we didn't have any technology, any of the stuff like that. And the first time we got into um, Singapore Airport, we saw an escalator. <laughs> and let's just say half an hour later, we just started going up and down. <laughs> <laughs> and like we just like we didn't, couldn't believe it. like there's an escalator here. It just goes up and down. Yeah. So my dad had to scream at us before we had to come down. But um, yeah, it was really hard because the language barrier, the culture, it was really, really different. It was really difficult. Um, I remember my, my dad, you know, First bought a car, uh, you know, holding, holding Kingswood. And my dad put on R and just got the reverse. We didn't know how to put on B. <laughs> and my dad goes, he goes, only, <laughs> it only jumps backwards. <laughs> so I went to call the neighbor and, and without any language, kind of explained to him, how does this go forward? And he managed to show us, put it on D. But it wasn't easy. It was really hard knowing that, you know, different culture, different, you know, land, you know, that people are different, you know, everything's different. So you just got to really try to work with that. And it's not really, not really easy at times. And like I, I obviously grew up here, but I've travelled a fair bit, and I know that even when I go into um, non-English speaking countries, like it takes me a couple of days before I realise, okay, I can't just walk into this shop and ask for what I want in my native language, mm. and then that. I experience, especially like if I've taken a group of pilgrims or something and you're looking after someone else and you're trying to sort of 
get some help for them or sort of get some medicine or something. And it's like just how extra exhausting it is to to sort of make yourself understood, especially if you're in a bit of a high-pressure environment. So I cannot understand um, and I can only start to sort of scrape the surface what it might be like for a student who has some understanding of English, obviously, that if they're coming here for the first time, they, they speak some English, but every day having to... Um, interact to make yourself heard, make yourself understood in a language that's not your first language. True. Yeah. Even lectures. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. I might be really smart in my country, but if I yeah. can't understand yeah. what they're even talking about, okay, today we're doing quantum physics. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know? It's double the work. Yes. And we speak fast here in we Australia do. too. We do. And I find that even in America. Like I've been to America a few times recently and like I'll say something and they'll just look at you. And it's like, we're all speaking the same language. <laughs> and I'm like, I know it's the accent, but they're like, but what does that mean? And like, so the idioms and the, the um, often, especially when a group of Australians get, get together, um, we actually only, if you listen, speak in half sentences. Yes, yeah. shorten everything. Because the other person <laughs> yeah. knows where we're going, so they interrupt and they interrupt and they interrupt. And before you know it, and I can imagine for students who are, who are learning the language and then trying to follow a group conversation exactly, going, yeah. what, what are these people <laughs> talking about? Well, even my wife, she struggled to understand me and my brothers when we talk. When me and my brothers hang around together, we're like, we're like Speedy <laughs> Gonzalez. We were speaking <laughs> so fast. But now she speaks fast like us because she learned it. But father, I came with my family and that was kind of easy because I had some support there. A lot of students who come here don't have their families with them. Yes. Yeah. They're here by themselves. I think it's important that they feel welcome when they come to... Uh, particularly at the camp too, they were talking about how welcome they felt at the, at Catsock and uh, and Cosdu. I think, and that that remains with them. It's just the welcome, being there for them, inviting them to uh, groups and whatever, and even even to mass and and to our adoration and things like that. Those are the things that they remember, and I think the welcome is important, and and sort of allow them to feel part of the group because they really need community. They need a group to um, to sort of uh, come together with and and to uh, interact, and I think that that is important. I think, sister, what I think what what's one of the problems we do is that we talk to them and walk with them as if they were they're like us, like we've got family, we've got the language, we've got the culture, and everything. But we would have to put ourselves in their shoes to know that like yes. their, their family isn't here. Yeah. They're lonely. The language is hard. The culture is hard. Um, they don't have any friends. And I think we all can only understand them if we put ourselves in their shoes and say, well, hold on a sec, they actually don't have a family. So we're, we're saying to them, go out, go out and enjoy your time, but where are they going to go out? They don't have anyone to go out with. It's important for them to join the clubs and societies that we have in all, the, all our universities. Mm. Anyway, and so. they seek that too. Yeah. yeah. I think family is an important one. So it's like, okay, maybe disconnection from faith because the, the way that we practice here is different. You've got a disconnection from language. And then the one place that, most of us when we start experiencing that kind of disconnection is that we go home we go home to our families yeah. family mm-hmm. is that safe space where you can just be yourself um, and again even the language it's where you just you just speak in your own language but for I can imagine for students who are here from overseas that when getting home at the end of the day and home yes. is a maybe a one-room apartment mm-hmm. or a shared house or yeah. even a university college that might have 200 or 300 students in it and it's like that real detachment from having that that sense of of comfort that home brings. Yeah, I think you were mentioning earlier we were chatting, sister, about 
sometimes even the students, and I've seen this in my own work, they are being supported by their family back home to study here in Australia. There's a lot of hope um, put into them that they're going to succeed and come home and Mm. help the family. And so they don't want to present to their family that they are struggling. Yeah. So mm. then where do you go yeah. to just be humanly express your difficulties? It's, mm. tri- it's tricky. I mean, so sorry, sister. Hopefully they'll, they'll know the chaplains are available there yeah. for them. And uh, it's just sometimes they just need to be heard, to be listened to and, uh, you know, and, and offer them some encouragement. And it's okay, you know, what they're going through, but... Uh, we, we accompany them. We mm. walk al- alongside them. Where do you go to ta- put your tracksuit pants on? And I don't know whether this is the same with... <laughs> 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 I don't know whether this is the same with sisters, but like... Uh, I, 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 I talk about home as being the tracksuit pants sort yeah. of place oh. where um, there's no mask, there's no there's no sort of pretense. Mm. It's just, just you. you and you're comfortable. You're... you're, you're you're wearing tracksuit pants and and Ugg boots. It's like <laughs> I don't know. See, that might be an Australian idiom That's that um right, yes. track, yeah, track we pants were, and Ugg boots. I don't know whether yeah, we picked it up too far. That we picked it up from you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beautiful part of culture that we've it shared. It is, with yeah. You, yes. It's beautiful things about the Australian culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just be yourself at home with the tracksuit, and you know, you can become That's mature true. and Come do whatever you want. <laughs> so, and one of those other things that we we're talking about earlier as well was this um, idea that okay, families might be supporting students to be here, but then there might be financial difficulties. Right, like yeah. right. all the money's gone into rent, all the money's gone into the study. Um, and students, I, I know of a number of international students who struggle financially and it's that just adds. And that again, whether that's for an finan- uh, international student or a local student, a financial burden or just financial worry adds a level mm. of stress that yeah. you just don't see often. Maslow. And it just... <laughs> what's that? And Maslow. Ma- oh, you know, this you need to... <laughs> <laughs> Talk about level of stress. <laughs> Sisters just dropped in an academic quote that no, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Next week's episode. <laughs> the theory of Maslow. <laughs> you need to have your basic Not needs Pavlov. met. Needs. No. <laughs> it's a hierarchy of needs, right? Yes. So if you if your basic needs aren't met, mm. how do you study? Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a educational theory. <laughs> Keep going. This is great. <laughs> yeah, this well, is not in the show notes, by the <laughs> way. No, there's no notes. It's just in your brain. Um, yeah. So if you you need to have sometimes when you see students struggling, it's because their their basic needs are not being met, mm. and so they can't be present to the content that you are presenting. Yeah. Mm. And, and so sometimes that's one of the things, and I think that's a very Don Bosco thing to do. Yes. Like, let's meet their needs. Let's that's make right. sure that they're fed first. We've got breakfast. Yes. And yeah, sister, it's not even right. that. It's not even that cheap. Like the rental properties, yeah, it's very oh, expensive. Yes. And yeah, that just adds a whole level. I mean, yeah, they came here to study, but then yeah, the financial. What about that? Mm. And I think that's one good thing the chaplains do here. I mean, it's a whole person. You know, we, we take over yes. the spiritual life, but at the same time, hey, how can we help you, you now look find a job, you know, if, do we do we know anybody who is looking for work? You know, and that's the most beautiful thing I think that Archdiocese offers for the students here. Yeah. Can I put a random thought in? I always like to add a random <laughs> thought. <laughs> now that was actually appropriate. This one's a little different. Okay, this is a this is a I don't know, maybe I'm just one of those people. When things are tricky, uh in, in your own life, sometimes getting out of that mindset of my difficulties, it helps to just go serve somebody else. So even when you're in that situation, uh, how can I get involved? How can I 
um, pay back or you know, not pay back, but like serve. So then I actually integrate myself into the community by by being needed in it. I don't know if that's another th- – I don't know if that happens. Do you find students find ways or maybe it's challenging to find where can I serve? I know we did a little interview with um, Roseanne a little way back and she's doing Christmas on the street. So everyone's welcome to come help. And mm. I think that the sense of loneliness can sometimes be um, helped, you know, mm-hmm. by, by getting involved in, in serving someone else. And well, I think yeah. – Sorry, sister. Now we are looking for a new committee on – Probably the two groups anyway, right. and so the new ones who came to the camp, they're, they're going to be able to do that to take True. on the spirit of service and and I mean I always pray during the year that I will get new people to continue the groups anyway, and they do uh, stand up to the, to you know to uh, be able to serve uh, in a new sort of an role. And I think there is there's lots of opportunities on our campuses and mm. they they're only growing if you know I mean now that return to campus life and again this is for international students as, as well as it is for local students yes. because um I th- I think everyone can feel isolated. Everyone mm. can feel pressure. Everybody comes from a family that might have a little bit of break like that they don't have that tracksuit thing when they get home because mm. there, there might be some stress or something going on in their family. So for all of our students there's plenty of opportunities and I think our student clubs is one way in which people can not only be served but they can serve so, and it is that yeah. thing as you're saying of well wait a minute how do I find ways in my life to give back yeah. even even when I'm feeling like I don't have anything left is there something that I can give is there a way that I can serve because there will be somebody else out there who's feeling the same way that I am mm. And if, if nothing else, I can serve from my experience. Sure. I can serve from my loneliness or my pain or my exhaustion or my sense of isolation and use my service as an opportunity to, to build that up for other people. I think you're right, Father. Um, you know, international students, we talk about international students being lonely. They have no family. But even when somebody, a student here who's local who has a family can still feel lonely. That's right. I mean, you know, it's, it doesn't just depend on, you know, overseas students. But I think the beautiful thing about the students these days, they want to participate. They want to, you know, be part of something because they want to give. And you know, that's a beautiful thing about campus ministry that it's available. You know, they can do a lot of things on campus and we're there to guide them to what. So I suppose in addition to our student clubs and societies on, on almost all of our campuses, we know that our universities are, are really interested in student wellbeing and care. So there's there's other supports within the university structures that we really, that I suppose as chaplains and as members of, of um, the campus ministry team that we're connected with, that we can connect you with as well. But mm. otherwise, you can also go there first. And I know, Sister Dalma, you do some work with the counselling team yeah. at the University of Melbourne. Now they have a mental um, health nurse on online, on on campus all the time, so he's full-time too, which is great. And just at the last orientation day, he came and saw us. And, and so I've been very friendly with him now, and he's sort of sent a few students yeah. uh, to, to, you know, to help. Uh, so just, just to chat with, uh, with a, for whatever reason they want. And, and then, you, as um, Mahir said, you know, we can help them find jobs and things because we have the connections, connections. and that's mm. lovely. We know people. That's right. We yeah. know people. That One know of the advantages of being people. around for 15 years, sister, <laughs> is that you <laughs> know people. Yes. You have a coffee with Sister Delma on campus and everybody stops and <laughs> says, hello, Sister Delma. <laughs> but so. it's, it's funny, Father. I want to share, share a little story with Sister Delma. Um, it's funny. It, a lot of people do know Sister Delma. 
we're walking around campus once and we're just saying hi to to the students and walking around and we we said what's this place here we'll just go walk inside and it turned out to be like a little museum anyway so the lady at the front said car guys can you please check in and we checked in so miss me and sister Dylan were walking around the museum we had we had no idea what the museum was you know what it looked like and we noticed in the, in the corner of our eye this lady was just following us and then slowly, slowly she followed us and she goes, oh, what are you guys doing? And Sister Dalman said, well, I'm a chaplain here and I'm one of the discipleship officers. She goes, oh, she goes, you guys are Catholic. And I said, yeah, I said, yeah, we're, we're Catholic. We're on campus, you know, we have the Catholic students and any student um, from any, any faith. And she goes, oh, she goes, I was actually thinking of joining another church. She goes, I'm a lapsed Catholic. She goes, but I want to come back to the faith. And me and Sister Dalman were like, like, we had no idea what this place was. So we just walked in and now this lady is here talking about rejoining the Catholic faith. So, yeah, Sister Dalman's... Pretty famous. She's like the Don of Notre <laughs> 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 um, So there's obviously mental health support. Uh, our university is also really good with things like financial aid and yes, support. They, and they there's do. plenty of services out there on campuses, especially when it comes to things like food and yes. sort of rental assistance and a whole variety of things. So we'd really encourage you to sort of reach out. But another place that students should really be trying if they need support encouragement community is their local parish mm. or yes. our parish like finding a community of faith is really important and i don't know i've got a i've got a door knock policy it's like if you're in trouble go and knock on the presbytery mm. door Absolutely. and just mm. keep knocking yeah. and if he knocks you back well go and knock again and say father nick said that you would help me if i needed it now We'll be priests in the archdiocese now, cursing my name. <laughs> but it's like um, our church is a place of spiritual refuge, but it is a place of also community and practical support. And there's always someone. It's one of the beauties of our parish communities is that there's doctors and nurses and lawyers and teachers and tutors and engineers and people involved in social work and healthcare and like there's there's someone in every parish. And if you if you're in need the parish priest or the pastoral worker or someone within that parish community is going to know someone who can connect you. Well, I got a question. Um, when we first came to Australia, there was this thing called like home safe. I don't know what I don't know what it was called. And like you, people put them in their houses. Oh, like the safety house. Safety right. house. Like yeah. if you're in trouble, like you knock on this house. Yes, so I think yeah, the yeah. church should be safety should house. Be safety right, house. Yeah. yeah. Cool. See, I know some of the international groups who gather on a Sunday for mass together, and then they go out to lunch. And I think that's that's what they need. You know as we are saying, a family away from home sort of thing. So that, that's very important. And to, to get to the priests and, and, and ask mm. them for help if, if they need. I, I like that idea, Father. They want accompaniment. Good. That's yeah. what they need. They need Definitely. authentic relationships yes. where someone really cares about them. You know, it's not seeking for their own no. good, like you know, for your own good, but for their own good, like, you know, really like walk with them where they're yes. at and kind of really feel what they're feeling. Not feeling like, you know, you're not sure you got a job, you know, you've got a family. Like, feel what they're feeling where they're, you know, away from home, away from family, away from everyone. It's just really walking yes. with them step by step. Um, Mihir, sometimes I worry that we give to cultures that come to Australia the bad things of life, like Ugg boots and tracksuit pants. <laughs> <laughs> but you give us all the good things. It's like we, we take all the good and we give you some sort no, of... No, has a lot of good things. But one of the great things about it uh, that I've experienced in many parishes about... Um, people who have migrated to Australia, is that passion for the church. Mm, yes. So I suppose that would be the other piece of advice I would give is if you look at your parish community or wherever you go to Mass and you're like, this is really dead and really boring, that's not that's not good. Like, yeah. So don't be afraid to offer, to mm. give. Start something. Yeah, yeah. to yeah. start something. Because 
Um, yeah, some of our parishes are a little bit dead or they're, they're, there's not much happening. But if you've got something to offer, whether it's music, mm. reading, flowers, cleaning. Like I had um, an international um, student once build the Christmas crib for my parish nativity because he'd done it every year mm. in his home uh, back in India, oh, sorry, Sri Lanka. And when he came, he, he wanted to do it. I'm like, mm. great. And it, great. it was the biggest Christmas crib known to mankind by the end. But it's like whatever gift that you do have, um, make sure that you, so you offer it to the and church. that's for everybody. I, I, think, I think just that mentality uh, these days needs, needs to be explicitly taught because um, that's just life, right? That's just the perspective. If something's not there... Build it. Mm. Uh, don't mm. wait. Oh, I deserve that. All of this should come to me. Well, actually, you should probably just get up and, and go for it. This is the You Disciple podcast. For more information on what's happening on a campus near you, go to udisciple.melbournecatholic.org. So I suppose whether you're new to Melbourne or you've been here your whole life and you're on campus, I think the advice is just to reach out, that there is so much happening, there's plenty of life and that can, like, disciples need a community. Yes. Um, And those communities are forming and reforming on our campuses in lots of different ways and there's, there's plenty on offer um, either in your parish or on your campus. Um, so reach out. Yeah, we're here for you. We are. Yes. One of the great things, and Mihir, you're doing this at the University of Melbourne, but we're offering it on all of our campuses this year as well, is that one-on-one mentoring. Mm. So Because we really identified that um, life, is, life is not always easy and it's complex and there's lots going on. And whilst community is important, also having uh, a mentor or someone to accompany you, like, mm. like Don Bosco is, uh, again, mm-hmm. that great example of that. Not only do we invest in the group, but we invest in the individuals. So yes. if you are on a campus here in Melbourne, we really encourage you to, to reach out um, through the website and we'd love to connect you with a mentor. <laughs> and Sister Delma. See, we, I thought I put it off. So you've got to buy a slab of beer now. If the phone goes off during the podcast, you've got to buy a slab of beer. The other, the other thing um, um, is obviously is a great way if you're feeling like you want to meet some new people beyond your campus is uh, here in the Archdiocese, 6.30 Holy Hour. Yeah. Every Thursday night, sister, great you and I were there well, 21 years ago when it sort of started, but oh. it, it's, it's been running... Twi- At least 22. Oh, maybe, maybe 20, 23. Yeah, 22. Two, yeah. The year 2000. <laughs> it's been running every Thursday night consecutively here in the Archdiocese of Melbourne and a really wonderful opportunity to not only pray and find the sacraments... Um, but also to meet other young Find young Catholics. Other, yeah. mm. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. There's even pizza at the end. So it's yeah. like if, nice if, pizza. if you're hungry, <laughs> uh, come and tap me here on the shoulder and <laughs> he'll, he'll buy you a shout of pizza. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Sister Dalma, on what, what your advice for a, a new... For our students, yeah. well, if, if there's a need for anything that you need, particularly... For prayer too, because we can offer prayer for you if you need that. Um, we are, the chaplains are available to on a one-on-one to on one-to-one, as we said before, and uh, just come and see us. Come and you know make 
make yourselves available to us and you're always welcome i don't know whether i'm going to say personally on stop 1 but we are all on campus and um whoever you are on all campuses not only just melbourne uni because i mean i'm biased towards <laughs> melbourne uni of course <laughs> uh so please do use us we are available for you and as i said before we pray for you too and god bless you once you knock on our door you will never walk alone that's right amen make a t-shirt <laughs> put, put that on a t-shirt sounds like a scottish <laughs> football team <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone and thanks for listening and we look forward to seeing you on or around campus in the week ahead god yes, bless Whether you've been listening to us on the tram, in the library, or on your way to class, thanks for listening to this week's You Disciple podcast. Share, like, and subscribe, and we hope to see you on and around campus. The Your Disciple Podcast is a production of the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne.